Yo, this is Pastor Tito here, welcoming you to another episode of my Revolutionary Podcast, where I'm here to help you find faith in Christ and how to follow through with your life. And today we are wrapping up a series called Bad Religion, When Christianity Goes Wrong. And there is a reason why we have so many bad examples out there. All right, there's, there's a reason why. We have bad teachers, bad practitioners, all right, bad examples of Christians. Oh, there's a great reason. And that's the reason that we're going to look at today. This God that we're talking about that we just talked in just now that I mentioned, he is beyond, he is better than any of us can ever imagine. What you think you know, doesn't matter how many years you've walked with God, there is, you have not even begun to scratch the surface, I'm telling you, you haven't. What we have with God is good. But then that's an interesting thing to reflect on as we're looking right now at this idea, this study that we've been doing called bad religion. How can we, when Christianity goes wrong, how can we end up with a bad religion when apparently this God is so good? We just sang about it. We just acknowledged him. So how can we start with such a good God and end up with bad religion for some of us? right? Or a lot of us. And that's what we've been looking at. We've been, you know, looking at our own hearts, examining our hearts. And we've been looking at what the thing that kills our Christianity the most is hypocrisy faster than anything else, being real, being honest. And so that's what we've been looking at. But the reality, guys, is this, the reason why we have so much, the reason why we have so many bad examples, which again, this doesn't negate the fact that we have a good God and in also bad examples of and bad representatives, okay? It's not on him because, listen, it is so good. The good news is so good that the enemy knows if you, and when I say enemy, I'm just going to make sure we're all tracking because we believe that there is a devil and that there are demons. And they know that this good news is so good. It is so good that if you hear it and believe it, their hand on your life, it's over, it's, they've lost another one to their enemy, Jesus, our king. And so they will do whatever it takes to either get Christians to be able to settle for something less, buy into something that isn't the truth, and make them think that they are doing the right thing. And he will do everything possible. The devil, the devil will do everything possible to infiltrate and give so many bad teachings and bad teachers so that we can, so the world can see, oh, why would I want that God? Uh, the God you're singing about, I like that. But everything we're talking about, and the, some of the Christians I know, I don't want, I don't want that. It's that good. It is that good that that's why there is such an offensive strategy with the enemy on that. And that's why we must be careful. And I'll tell you right now, it's because of all those things is why Christianity is not easy. I'm going to be real with you right now. I know this is kind of maybe the one of the, most, you know, hard left turns that we're making, but it's true. Our God is good. And the, what he gives us and following him is amazing. But I am here to tell you, being honest with you, Christianity is not easy. It is not for the faint of heart. It's not. I know, like, well, who's going to sign up for this? Well, just wait to the end. You'll see. But listen, it is not easy. And the reason, and um, by the way, I'm not the one who's just saying it. Do you know who said Christianity isn't easy? Jesus himself. Jesus himself, I don't have this up, I'm just going to read it to you. Luke 13, 23, the apostles himself were wondering, why Jesus, your teachings are too hard. What you're asking us to do is too difficult. And they actually asked this question, 
uh, Lord, someone asked, are only a few going to be saved? Like, why are only a few going to be saved? Is that going to be the case? Why does this have to be so difficult? Jesus doesn't answer yes or no, but he answers in, in saying this. He tells him, listen, make every effort. Make every effort to enter through a narrow, skinny door. Because I tell you, many will try to enter and won't be able to. And he later on, in Matthew 7, 14, he doubles down and he says this, how narrow is the gate and how difficult the road that leads to eternal life, how difficult it is to follow Christ. And listen to what he says, few find it. Guys, listen to that. Many that find the door, first off, he says, many, it's hard, few find the door, and those who find it, many can't and won't be able to enter. And you may look at that and like, Jesus, why are you making this so hard to be saved? Why are you making this so hard to follow you? And the problem is not God, I'm telling you. It's not that he has made it difficult. It's the opposite. Jesus has done everything possible for us to know him and follow him. He has done the most difficult things. It's living a sinless life, dying on the cross for our sins, rising from the dead. He has done all of the impossible, but yet there's one thing that remains, and it's our effort, our response to him. So listen, Christianity is not easy. I'm here to tell you that. But here's the thing, and the reason why it's not easy it's because of us. See, the reason why few find this narrow door is because few aren't looking for it. They want to find a door that fits them. We have too many people that don't want to be shaped into the image of God. We have too many people that want to shape God into their image. Like, I want to shape this Jesus into a, a version that I like and I'm comfortable with. So few find the door because few aren't really looking for that door. They're like, mm, no, I don't like that one. Moving on. Few don't find it because of themselves and what they want and hope and expect. And then when she says, and then few that do find it, few are many aren't able to enter. Why? Listen, a narrow door. When Jesus was saying a narrow door, a narrow door is something that only one person can go through at a time. See, guys, we are not saved in groups. We are not saved as a collective. We can't do that. And there's people who believe that. There's people who believe that a whole nation can get saved like that, like in one swoop, okay? Listen, you are not saved in groups. Just because you had a family member that was saved, your parent is saved, doesn't mean everybody in the family automatically gets it, okay? You don't get the credit like that. You come to Christ individual, one, you, yourself. That's what the narrow door means. You must pass through alone. And the reason why, it is skinny. So that means that you can't fit if you're going to try to carry all your baggage, carry all your desires, carry all your loves and this and that. Few aren't able to enter in because they can't fit because they're holding on to their own life or they're holding on to so many things. Listen, not only do we go to Christ alone, but we must be willing to leave everything behind because what we're going to receive in him is better than anything that we already have. And if everything that we receive from Christ is going to be better than already what we have. But see, it's difficult because of this. Listen, any Christian here, I want, to see, I want to see a click or head nods or something. Tell me, am I lying or not? If you're a true believer in Christ Jesus. Um, dying to yourself, picking up your cross and following Jesus is not easy. Anybody? Is dying to yourself easy? Meaning denying yourself. Is it easy? No. It's not because our selfishness, what remains, our pride, our desires, it fights with us. And that is something that we must understand. We not only have an enemy outside, but listen, look in the mirror. You have an enemy staring you right in the face. It's you. You can be your own worst enemy. 
And the reason why it is so difficult to follow Christ is because it is right here. And I know some of you may feel this way because you try and you find and you follow Christ and you find it to be difficult and you see yourself failing and you see yourself, you look at so-and-so and I'm like, oh my gosh, this guy's making it look easy, right? I know we've had those people, right? Those who don't pay attention in class and they still get A's. I, I can't say I hate you. It's not fair. Okay, it's not fair. That's not fair. You know, we know we got people out there that, you know, they literally can eat whatever they want, do two push-ups, and then they're good. And I'm like, I can't look at you right now, right? I mean, we, we know that there are people out there that just make things look easy, right? And here you are just saying, oh, gosh. And so there are people out there, and you may look at that, and you look at, I can't follow Jesus like that. I can't be like that. And so then you, because you know it's so difficult, and you're having such a difficult time, you get discouraged, and then you stop, right? And then you get stuck. Guys, listen, do you know, can you see why in the, when we looked at Revelations, for those of us who were with us last week, last year, and so many other times, there is a theme in the New Testament where Jesus says, persevere in your faith. Do you see why the word persevere is? Because it's not easy. It's not easy to be able to lay down the old and walk into the new. I mean, we have opposition, we have this. It's not easy but at the same time, we have a God because see, we can't do it alone. That's why we need him. That's why we have the Holy Spirit. That's why he gives us that because it, we can't do it ourselves. And what we need to make sure, guys, as we wrap things up with this is that we, because it is so difficult, we got to persevere so that you and I are not deceived. Because we, since we know it's difficult and we can get discouraged, a lot of Christians end up deceived believing the wrong thing, shaping it into something that they can do and manage, or they just get it all together. Listen, that's why we need to persevere. So we are not deceived. And we're going to look at a man, a former deceived person. His name is James. James has written one of the letters inside of the New Testament. James is actually Jesus's half brother. And James was deceived. See, I know I said that Jesus had brothers. Yes, he had siblings, but it's a half-brother, all right? And so James, when Jesus was out there doing his miracles and all this stuff, James was not a believer. I don't know if it was like maybe middle child syndrome or something like that, that, you know, here's this, the little brother, and he'd be hating on the older brother. I know some of we got that, right? When you got your sibling outshining you, you just like, ugh, this guy, walking on water, producing all this, man. And I was like, people looking at me like, look, I can't do that, man. Look, I can't. And so I can barely swim. And so, like, it's, it's interesting. How must have James, James must have felt all kind of weird having his brother Jesus showing up and showing off doing all these things, and here's just James. It's like, whatever. James was not a believer. He did not believe in Jesus. He thought, my brother is insane. He has become some religious nut. He's going to get himself killed. Uh, yeah, I don't want a part of that. That's on you, bro. Until Jesus rose from the dead. When Jesus rose from the dead, James came to realize, yo, he's not just my brother. He is the Messiah. Everything he said he was, that's, that's who he is. And James became a believer after that. I mean, that says something, guys. That says something. And he was formally deceived because of his own desires, his own bitterness, his own passions, whatever. But see, something happened. And so in his letter, in his, which we're going to read today in the book of James, or his, really it's a letter that he wrote to other believers, he is writing pretty much his whole letter is him telling us, and we're going to look at chapter one. He's going to say, look, 
let me show you, let me warn you of the very things that led to my deception so you don't follow it. And let me encourage you to do the very thing that led to my deliverance. That's James. And so you can see this, I mean, it's a power punk. It's a very short book. He gets right to the point. And so we're going to look at James right now. And so we're going to read verses 16 all the way through 27. We're going to go through 16 all the way to 27. And at the very beginning, James is here. He starts off saying, I, you know, very simple, James, servant of God, of the Lord Jesus, to the 12 tribes dispersed abroad, greetings. And then he goes right into it. Yeah, this is hard, didn't it? I mean, James just goes right in and he was like, hey, all the Christians out there, good morning. Hey, hello, how are you doing? Yeah, you having fun, right? This is hard, right? This is hard. I mean, you read all of those first 15 verses. It's just James just talking about, it's difficult. He talks about the trials and the tribulations and the difficulties of following Jesus. And he just lays it out. And I'm like, look, this is real. And the reason why he does that is here. He's just saying, listen, this is so hard that you are not going to make it if you fake it. That's James. James is like, you're not going to make it if you fake it, guys. You're not going to make it. You're not going to understand God. You're not going to walk. You might not even be saved. You are not going to make it if you fake it. If you're going to call yourself a Christian, you better be a real one. That's James. That's James. If you're going to call yourself a Christian, you better be a real one. And then he breaks that down on what that looks like. And so in this, in this 16 or in this really like 11 or 12 verses, he mentions the word, don't be deceived, three times. Don't, don't kid yourself. Don't lie to yourself, and deceived means cheated. Don't be cheated. Don't fall for the scam. And so we're going to look at those three words right now. So starting in verse 16, the reason why he talks about being deceived so much is because we, we can deceive ourselves, our own passions. That's our problem. You and I are our own problem following Jesus. It's the difficulties. It's our passions, our desires, our assumptions, and our preferred outcome. So let's check out what he says here in verse 16. We're going to go through just the 21. He says, don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, who does not, look at that, does not change. Faithful, we've been singing that this morning. He doesn't change like a shifting shadow. By his own choice, he gave us birth by the word of truth so that we would be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. So my dear brothers and sisters, understand. He's begging. He's leaning in. Understand this. He says this right here. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger. For human anger does not accomplish God's righteousness. Therefore, ridding yourself of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, and, um, that is so prevalent humbly receive the implanted word, which is able to save your soul. All right. So let's look at that. So right there, what is he saying? He says, don't be deceived. About what? <clears throat> don't be deceived about who you think God is. See, in this whole context, in this whole section that we read, he is saying, don't be deceived on you, who you think God is and what he has said. Because these Christians, because they were saying, yo, we're going to follow Jesus. Jesus offers us life. And they go and they're following him. I'm like, whoa, this is, this is harder than I thought. I didn't sign up for this. I didn't sign up for that. And so a lot of these Christians were struggling. They were saying, if, uh, man, if, if we're experiencing all this bad, then does, does that mean that we're, we're not following him well? Like they, they were blaming themselves. You know, it's like, well, if, if we're experiencing all these negativity, then that means some, we're not following Jesus right. Something is wrong with us. Or they were thinking, maybe God is not as good as what we thought. 
We were just singing the goodness of God, his faithfulness. Well, where's God now? Well, where's God in this? Why is this happening? I thought if he was doing this, why am I having to go through this? And so some of them were struggling with themselves, blaming themselves, thinking that they were doing it wrong, and others were blaming God. I guess he's not, I guess he isn't good. That's why James says, no, don't be deceived. God doesn't change. He is the same. He is who he is. But then he gives the practical application so that we don't miss out, so we know and understand how to better get to know God. And that's when he says, listen, be quick to, let's see if y'all were paying attention, be quick to, listen, slow to, speak, and then slow to, anger. Be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger. Now, I'm going to stop. A lot of times you might have heard that. I preached that, that verse last year because that is good practical advice on how to talk to people, right? If we are quick to listen and truly understand who someone, what they're saying, and slow to speak our opinion, we're going to be slow to anger, slow to emotionalism, right? And, you know, that back and forth, like it, it's, it's, very, it's very funny to see two people in a heated conversation, and they're not really listening to each other. They're just listening for that moment when the other person takes a breath so they can just go right in and start talking, you know? That's what they do. You're not listening. You're just listening for a moment so you can start talking and share your opinion. See, you and I, our tendency is to be emotional first and then be, qu be quick to be emotional, quick to speak our mind, our opinion, our thoughts, and then slow to listen. That's natural. We all do that. But the good advice is, this is, this is good advice towards how we talk to people. But you guys, do you know that James is not talking about, even though we can apply this to how we talk to people, James is not giving us advice on how to talk to people. We are to be quick to listen to God. Slow to speak to him and about him. And slow to anger. Slow to be so emotional. This is how we ought to talk to God. Because, see, if we are slow to listen to what he has to say, slow to listen to what he is showing us, then we are going to either speak or believe something that is wrong, and then we're going to, you know, that's, that's the problem that these guys are experiencing. They are not quick to listen to who God is and what he is saying. They are the complete opposite, and that's why they're a mess, or some of them are. That's why James is trying to help them. We got to be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger. And you know what? I, I kind of, I wanted to zoom into that word because it bothered me. I was like, wait, wait, wait what does he mean anger? Because in my translation, it says anger. And I looked at that word anger. I'm like, I see it. The word that James is using means this. I, I, I took all of the definitions and kind of wrote it into a sentence. This is what the anger is, human anger. It's an impulse of the mind that reaches for something that you want or desires in a violent, passionate way. It's an impulse of the mind that reaches for something an idea that reaches for a truth, that reaches for something that you want and that you desire in a violent, passionate way. I'm like, oh my gosh, I have done that a lot. Sometimes I feel like I'm hearing God. I'm hearing God and I'm trying, and I feel like God has spoken to me and I'm not, I'm not quick to listen. I'm more slow to listen and quick to speak and quick to jump to a conclusion. And I don't know how many times I am like, oh, God told me this. God told me this. This is what he said to me. In reality, I wasn't really listening. I kind of heard and I already jumped to the conclusion because it's what I wanted to hear. It's really my voice that I baptized and put you know, Jesus on. You know, and you can't do that. I've done that. I have said, oh, God spoke to me. God has said this. God, and then I assumed only to be wrong. See, what he says is if we are quick to listen to God, 
and slow to assume. That's what he's pretty much saying. It's like, don't be quick to assume you know. Don't be quick to assume because if you're quick to assume, you're going to be deceived, all right? Then you gotta be careful. If you're quick to assume what God is saying, quick to assume, you, oh, I think I know, I get it. You're quick to assume you're going to get it wrong if you're quick, but no, be slow, you know, because a lot of times, guys, I know it. You may be praying and God is like, oh God, I, I really want, Lord, do you want this or do you want this? But you really, like, I'll do whatever you want as long as it's this option, right? I know we've done that, right? I know I'm not the only one that's prayed that. God, I, I'll do whatever you want, but really, can, can you? You know, and you present one more than, you know, more than the other, like, but I, I like this one, please. Can I have some more of this one, please? That's what I want. And so, no, that is not how it works. That's not how it works. Notice he says, human anger does not accomplish God's righteousness. That made sense now. I'm like, no wonder. I mean, you can't follow God. You can't follow God's will doing it your way. That's what he's saying. He's like, if you assume you know these things, you are not going to accomplish what God wants to accomplish in you because you're, not, you're doing the complete opposite, of course, because you're assuming. You're, and then you're being deceived if you're assuming, if you're not quick. And so I thought that was super interesting. And then it makes sense when he says, remove the filthiness in your life. The filth that it's our selfishness that causes us to jump, that causes us to assume, that causes us to say. This is why so many people have so many interpretations of, oh, well, God says this is good and that's good and that's good. It's because deep down they want it to be good and they just assume it, baptize and say what Jesus said. See, we can't do that. That's how we become deceived. But he says, if we remove the filthiness, which acts like kind of spiritual earwax, guys. See, if, if this is why as Christians it's so important for us to grow in repentance and to recognize that there's areas that need help, we don't let that linger. No, we give it to Christ. We give it to God. Because all of that filthiness, if it accumulates, it builds up spiritual earwax, makes it harder to hear God. And then in the faint, you know, sound like Charlie Brown, if anybody remembers. That's how you, we think we hear God because it's so muddled. And then we can assume, oh, I think this is what God is telling me. But if we repent and remove those things, we can hear God clearer. He says, humbly receive the implanted word. Humbly, meaning sometimes, we said this in this series, God's going to tell you what you want to hear, not what you need to hear. And we need to be humble to receive. God, I don't want that answer, but... If it's you, I trust you, you're good, and I trust that that is what's best. You see that? If we can humbly receive God's word, it says it is the power to save you. Now, you know, it's, it's to save you from yourself and to experience God more and more. And so we got to be careful that we're not deceived. If we assume and we're quick to assume, right, that's, that's what's so dangerous about even just, you know, casually reading the Bible. You casually read the Bible. You think you already jumped to an application. I read this verse. Oh, this is what it means to me, and this is what I'm going to do. Ooh, slow down, but, uh, you know, chill. You got to be quick. Let it linger a little bit. You got to let it linger a little bit. And so now here's another one. Now let's go around to verse 22 and 24. So now let's just say, okay, I get to a place where I can humbly receive God's word. I hear him. I understand what he's saying. Okay, I got it. Now what? Okay, James says the now what? Verse 22 and 24. So here's the other deceived. But... If you can hear the word, that's step one. But be also doers of the word and not hearers, what? Only deceiving yourself. 
So now here's another way you can deceive yourself. Because if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like someone looking at his own face in a mirror. For he looks at himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of person he was. But the one who looks intently into the perfect law of freedom perseveres in it. There's that word. And it is not forgetful hearer, but a doer who works. This person will be blessed in what he does. And so, all right, step one, you got it. All right, I need to be humble. I need to listen to God. I need to make sure. Great, now you've received it. Now you're getting to this place where you're able to hear God better. Well, what are you supposed to do? Do something with it. Because if you just hear God and think, okay, you know what? Hearing and believing is enough. Believing in God is enough. No, no. Demons believe in God. It's not gonna help them one bit. Believing in God is not enough. It's not enough to say, all right, fine. I humble myself. I hear God say something. He reveals something to me. God speaks to you in a word through a person. And then I'm like, yes, I agree. But if you don't do something with it, then you're going to deceive. You know, that's what he's saying. It's like, look, don't deceive yourself thinking this is all about information. Don't think about that this is all about just learning and, and filling your head with info. That's not what being a Jesus follower is all about. Don't be deceived in thinking all you need to do is hear it and not do anything with it. Don't be deceived in this way. No, you got to do something with it. And so he gives this beautiful analogy of right, a mirror, right, which is really ironic, an ironic analogy. Who, who, which one of us looks at herself in the mirror and walks away and thinks, wait, do I have blonde hair or black? You know, I'm like, wait, it, you know, am I tall or short? I forgot. I don't care. You know, that, that's, I mean, if that was you and you had that issue, that's, that's serious. But what he's saying is like, look, that's what we do when we casually look at God. When we say, God has spoken to me, God has shown me something, that's what I need in my life. Okay. And you just, you know, walk off. You know, do you guys know how many people do that on Sundays? They hear God. Yes, amen. And it's like, that's exactly the word I needed. Come Sunday afternoon, one ear out the other. It's like they weren't even here. By Monday, forget it, even more. So what'd y'all talk about yesterday? Um... Jesus. Okay. You know, and so this is why, I mean, I prayerfully and I work hard to make sure there is, I'm giving you guys, I want to give many, you guys handles. So you might not remember every word. That's not the point, but you got something that you can hold on to. That's, that's the point because see, if you just walk away, it doesn't matter. It is, it does nothing. You deceive yourself. If you think I can just go and I can agree. I'm, you know, he's good. And I have nothing on my part to do as long as I believe. No, listen, believing in God is different than believing God. When you believe God, then that should impact in the way, that should influence the way you behave. You hear me? That's it. See, your point, you don't put the effort in behaving, guys. Don't put the effort in the behaving. Put the effort in believing in God because when you agree with God, the behavior just kind of follows and it flows. That's where it comes from, but the behavior does matter. Don't deceive yourself. Notice what he says, look intently. Do you guys know what looking intently is? It's like, you know, all right, wait, is it? I want to make sure. Like you are zooming, laser focused in. To look intently is over time. So it's not casual, like we look in the mirror of God on Sunday, and then, all right, I'll see you again next Sunday. No, every day, every day in the morning, at night, whenever, we are looking intently into this. Because, listen, it is a mirror. This right here 
is a mirror, what God's word is. And so I got a little hand mirror here. And so obviously, I mean, ladies are maybe more than, than now when you're really looking, right? You really see and trying to make sure you get everything right, fellas. I know I'm not the only one, right? You know, we want to make sure we're looking good. And so I'm like, all right, how's it? Okay, get that one just good. And so we look intently to make sure, all right, is it? All right, I get that. All right, cool. I shaped it up. All right, it's good. That's what we're called to do. We look intently more and more. And God's word, what it does, it reveals God to us, but it also reveals us to ourselves, our true nature to us. And God will show us what to do, but it's up to us. This is why he says, if you do something, if you apply what God is telling you to do, that man will be blessed. Meaning, guys, you're going to experience the impact. Look, I can go outside. Look, it's going to be summer in Florida really soon, right? It's pretty much right here. It's getting hot, okay? Um, is it any good if I, can, if I have a bottle of SPF 100, all right, and I'm outside, I go to the beach, and that, all that lotion stays in my bottle, right? Is that going to be any good? Of course not, because it stayed in the bottle. Once I apply the lotion to my skin, I experience the what? The benefits, don't I? I have to apply the lotion to experience the benefit. God's word is the same. You got to apply God's word to experience the benefit and the ramifications of it. Do you see that? It just can't stay in this book. And it can't just stay in your, in your mind. You have to do something with it. That's what he's saying. Because if not, you're going to deceive yourself. You're going to settle for something else. And then here is a great mirror. Now, now James then goes in the last verse. He gives us a way to truly look at ourselves that the mirror will reveal something to us. Let's read the rest of this chapter. Let's go to 26 and 27. Third time he says deceived in these 11 verses. He says this, if anyone thinks he is religious, and I'm gonna talk about that word in a minute, without controlling his tongue, notice controlling his tongue, his religion is useless and he, there it is again, what? Deceives himself. Pure and undefiled religion before God the Father is this, to look, after God, to look after orphans and widows in their distress, to keep oneself unstained from the world. So here's the third deception. The third deception is, okay, I can hear God. I got that. I'm going to humbly receive the word, and I'm going to apply it. I'm going to apply God's word to my life. But the third deception is that the way, ultimately, the way that you live doesn't matter. Uh, no. Okay, um, here's the thing. If you are going to apply it, then you are going to experience the benefits, meaning that something in you is going to look a little different. And so here he is saying here, this is what God will reveal. And here's how you know if your religion is bad or if you're following, you know, where, where the area can be. It's in these things, in your conversations, in your compassion and in your conduct. Those are the three things. Your conversations, he says, don't think you can call yourself religious. And you can't control your tongue. That's the key word, control. And by the way, I know sometimes we think, ill religion. Uh, I, you know, I don't have religion. I have a relationship with Jesus. I get you. Listen, if you like that phrase, we need to bury that phrase today, okay? I don't, I don't have religion. I have a relationship with Jesus. Okay, your relationship with Jesus is based on understanding and thoughts and theology, i.e. a religion. Congratulations, you have a religion. Okay, if you have a relationship with God, it is based on a religion. Got it? So I, I know it's cute, but just, let's just bury that phrase, okay? So anyways, so here's the thing. But the word religion that, that he is saying actually just means piety. It, it's a fancy word. It just means real. It just means that you have real faith. Paul would use the phrase sincere faith. Like, 
That's what he's saying there. He's like, listen, you can't claim to have real faith and really mean it if you can't control your tongue and if you, and if, you know, your compassion, your conduct. And so the, the tongue is interesting. Jesus said, out of the overflow of your heart, the mouth speaks. Out of the overflow, the mouth speaks. Meaning, here's how you know what's how your heart is. We've been talking about that last week, right? Like, if you want to fix your language, you can't just brush your teeth. You got to wash your heart. Only Jesus can wash your heart. How do you know that your heart is okay? Pay attention. Look in the mirror. Look in the self in the mirror. I'm like, what do I normally say? Now, the overflow means what's normal. It's just spilling out, okay? So let's just say you have a bad moment. You get frustrated. Ah! And you say something. Cuss word flies out, right? Whatever. You, you do this. You, 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 somebody cuts you off. I'm like, this guy, right? Or whatever, right? You just kind of go off. You say something that you didn't mean. That doesn't mean the overflow. Just because something came out once on a random doesn't mean that, oh my gosh, I'm not saved. Okay, just calm down, okay? It, remember, the overflow means it's what's normal. You get it? It's just what's flowing out of you normally. So you say, listen, if, uh, how much of God's word is influencing your words? How much are you, are you negative all the time? Are you positive? How much are you praying? Do you just pray when you eat or pray before bed? How much are you praying? What, what is the, the overflow of our heart should be grace, should be love, should be truth, right? That's what the overflow should be. And he says, uh, if you think that you can, you know, cuss like a sailor and do this and your crude jokes and you're that, mm -mm, flag on the play. Something's not right. You can't call yourself. That's not real. It's useless, he says. It's useless. Your religion is useless. You are saying one thing, yet you're living something else. That's useless. Pointless. Why bother? Then he goes, all right, so that's one. It's your conversations. We, we ought to acknowledge, like, what do my conversations look like? What about the compassion? Because true, sincere religion, he says here, is to take care of widows and orphans. Now, that means literal and figurative, okay? To take care of widows and orphans is to, literally, those, are the, those in that time were two of the most destitute people groups in the world. If you're an orphan about that time, you're done. If you're a widow, both of them, that pretty much their future, slavery. That's what it is. Slavery, death, exploitation. And so here he's saying, listen, if God, if the love of God has impacted you, then how is that love moving out? But not just, are you just loving the people who can love you back? Or are you loving really those who are in need? How much is your heart breaking for what you see around you? Is your heart break? And not only that, but are you willing to love someone and do something for someone that can't pay you back? Because if you were going to love a widow and an orphan, they had nothing. They were the poorest. For, a lot of them were the poorest of the poor. They had nothing to do. They couldn't help you. You were just literally just for the sake of uh, here, man, just being good. So that matters, guys, is our conduct. Because if God is doing a good work in us, that good work should reflect in what we do. It should reflect in what we do. Now, obviously, guys, this world has too many issues, right? So none of us, we can't save the world. And I know that gets frustrated. But just because we can't fix it doesn't mean we can't change something. You hear that? Just because we can't fix the world doesn't mean that we can't change. And God can't use us to change somebody's life. And so that's what matters. And so it's like, what are you? Are you living for you or are you living for others? Especially those, the rich and the poor. They both need Christ. They both need God. And so that matters. And so we ought to look in the mirror. What's my conversations looking like? What is my normal conversations? What's my normal conduct? 
How am I, am I, am I loving even those inside? How, how well am I treating my spouse, my kids, my parents, my coworkers, my boss? Let's just stop there. Maybe you don't know a lot of widows and orphans, but you know those people, okay? How are you treating them? Then finally, last one was our conduct. He says, true religion is, keeps oneself unstained from the world. That's, your, that's now your conduct. So here we have how we talk, how we act, how we think. He says, you got to be careful. Because see, guys, if you look, if you walk like a duck, talk like a duck, you can't call it a chicken, right? That's pretty much it. If it walks like a duck, talks like a duck, you, you can't pass that as a chicken, all right? And that's the thing. If you're walking like the world, talking like the world, acting like the world, thinking like the world, can't call yourself a Christian. That's it. That's what James is saying. I mean, James is raw. Say, so you, if you think like the world, act like the world, talk like the world, treat people like the, the world does, you can't call yourself a Christian. It means you're not. That means you're not. That means you still need God to save you. It is not now a condemnation like you're the worst person in the world. No, it's like, no, you're still condemned. God needs you need to turn to Christ because there's no fruits in your life. So that, that's what matters, guys, is how much, how much are we thinking like the, where, the, the world does? Are we following the truth of God or are we following trends? Worldly trends, that's what matters. By the way, we're going to do a series on that in the summer uh, called Truth Over Trends, and that's what we're going to look at about some things. Here's what the world has to say. Here's the truth. Here's the trends. Here's the truth. And so we're going to go do that later. But see, it matters, guys. How we talk, how we act, how we think is, helps us to see in the mirror. And what is God? Who am I? And what is God doing? And so the truth, guys, is this. Listen, your salvation should lead to service. That's what he's saying. If you're a true Christian following Jesus, you ought to grow more. Jesus ought to show flashes of Jesus more and more in your life. The seed of salvation should produce fruits in the way we think, act, and talk. Because if not, if there's no fruits, don't deceive yourself. If there are no fruits, don't kid yourself. Because Jesus said, many, not only will many not find the door, many won't be able to enter into it. Jesus said it because many will go and even say, Jesus, I... I believed in you. Yeah, you believed in me, but you didn't believe me. You can't enter into eternal rest. Don't be deceived. Evaluate your heart. This is what we're, by the way, guys, this is what we're doing. Right now, we're evaluating, we're allowing, hopefully, humbly receiving the word of God that is able to save our souls from the enemy, from hell, and even from ourselves. And the truth is, and here's kind of like the, the transition is that the bottom line is that in order to have real religion, we need to learn to reflect on Christ so that we can reflect Christ. That is all we're called to do. Reflect on Christ, on his truth. Linger, look intently into the law of liberty. Guys, listen, I told you what God asked us to surrender and lay everything down to. It is a greater law. It is not a law that is burdensome. It is not. It is a law of liberty that sets us free. It is a good thing. What we lay down to receive in Christ is better than anything you can ever imagine. It is a law of liberty that we surrender to that is great. There is nothing like it. And this is what we are called to do is reflect more on Christ so that we can reflect Christ. Guys, that's what, hopefully that's what we're doing this morning. We're reflecting on God through his word and through worship. Today, what were we doing? Declaring who God is and, and what he is and the goodness of God that he's slain, the, you know, he's the, the lamb that was slain. He's fighting our battles. We're reflecting on God. 
And we're reflecting on his word and through worship, and that's important. But when you reflect on God, guys, when you look at the mirror like that, you see two things. Because the mirror of God's word acts like a microscope and a telescope. The mirror of God, the mirror of God's word acts like a telescope. You guys know what telescopes do. They make big things look bigger, right? So you can, a big thing really far away, it brings it closer. The word of God actually helps us to see a big God and realize he is closer than we could ever imagine and he's better than we ever thought. That's what the word does. When we look and reflect on his word, when we reflect on Christ, it acts like a, a telescope to be able to magnify God, magnify Christ and we see how wonderful he is. But here's the uh-oh part. The better you get to know Christ, the more you get to know yourself. The brighter and the beautiful and the more holy and amazing and glorious Jesus appears, the more dirty you're going to see. You're going to re realize, oh, no. You're stepping into the light of God and realize, oh, wait a minute. Uh-oh. I, I also see me because it acts like a microscope and it magnifies even tiny sins and it shows it. And guys, I want you to know that's a good thing. It's God revealing and shining that light on you so that you can say, listen, uh, if you give that, let me work in that area, surrender that, and you can get even closer to me. Surrender that, trust in me in this area, give me that, and you're going to be even closer. So listen, this correction that God may show you, it is a sign of life, guys. It is, a, it is correction without condemnation. He doesn't show you this so you can feel bad about yourself. No, he says, no, I want to show you this so you can see how good I am. That is the love of God. The light that shines on you is not to show you how bad you are, though it is. But ultimately, it's so that we, if we agree with God, surrender and believe and follow and apply, we may experience how good he is. That is what we get. That is why we say he's blessed and guys, I want you to know, as we apply, you're not going to get it right. But see, the mirror, was, when we reflect on Christ, it's so important because that's how we learn. Do you guys know babies? When I had three little boys, and, and I heard this around the time that they were all babies, and it was pretty cool. Do you guys know how we all learned how to talk? Right? Obviously, you know, you got parents, and they talk to the kids, and you see them. Do you guys know that studies show that when, when you talk to a baby, when little newborns, you know how they learn how to talk? They don't learn how to talk because they're listening to you only. Look at their eyes. Babies, look at your mouth. They hear the sounds that you're making, but they're looking at your mouth, the, how you're shaping your lips. They are looking at you, looking intently at how you are making that sound. So they look at you and they, and they try to mimic you by looking at your lips. That is how babies learn how to talk. Guys, that is how we learn how to live. When we reflect and look intently in the word of God, we learn to mimic him more and more. And obviously babies don't learn how to talk in two minutes. And you know, for us, walking with Christ is a lifetime process. Salvation happens like that. Walking with God and growing, that's a different process. But how do we learn how to grow? How do we learn how to walk? How do we learn how to think? By reflecting on the goodness of God. The more we do that. And so, guys, that's a good news for some of you. Listen, if you're a Christian who's been deceived because you've been discouraged, because you realize following Jesus is harder than I thought, and I'm having some struggles, and I'm having some issues, and I'm trying, but it's a little harder, and you feel less of a Christian, let me tell you, slipping, stumbling, backsliding, messing up occasionally does not mean you have bad religion. It means that there's life in you. There is life in you. 
And those things, those things, though they may be there, if the reason why it still bothers you is because you know it's just holding me back from experiencing more of God. So don't feel bad. Give it to him at the same time. Don't just wallow in it. Let that tension, let that tension be resolved in the love of Christ. And so if you're a discouraged Christian who is having trouble being consistent, let me tell you, here's what you do. Recognize the fault, repent of it, and run to Jesus. That's it. That's what we are called to do. Recognize it, repent of it, run to Jesus, and rest in his arms because he remains faithful though we are not. That is the truth that we get to rest in. Jesus has delivered us from performance-based religion and now offers us a promise-based religion. That is what Jesus offers us. Not a performance-based religion, but a promise-based religion. A promise that all who call on him will be saved, regardless of what you've done and become. And those who have been saved and are now sons and daughters of God, every time you may slip and fall, the promise is that, nope, if you are still in my hands, that you, have, you will not slip through my fingers. That if you are mine, that is it. If you have life, there it is. And if that's the promise that we have, that he remains faithful. And every time we recognize, repent, and run to Jesus, he will remain faithful in cleansing us from all unrighteousness, forgiving us of our sins so that we can look more like him. Guys, that's what we're called to do. The more we reflect on Christ, the more then we will reflect Christ. It's just like, again, just like this mirror, you and I, or like this mirror. You ever try to do one of these, right? When you're trying to reflect the light on something else, right? Off of somebody else. That's us. The more we reflect on Christ, the more we will reflect Christ and shine his light on others so that others not can see us, but so others can see him. If I had a big enough mirror, I can literally reflect something that's right here that you guys can't see. Your angle is different. There is something, there's this you know, I see an angle of this projector up here. You can't see it because of where I am. But if I had a big enough mirror and tilted it, you in your spot, you can see what I can see. Guys, that's what we're called to do is as we reflect the love of Christ, others will be, will be able to see a God that they didn't see before. They will be able to see a God and the love that was there all along, but they couldn't recognize it. That is what we're called to do, guys. Reflect on Christ and reflect Christ in the way we think, in the way we act, in the way in all things reflecting on his word and through worship so that it will reflect through our words and our works. That is what we're called to do. And I love this verse. I'm going to end with this. I love this verse in Luke. Jesus, this is a prophecy from an angel to John the Baptist right before he's born. And it says in verse 76, he tells a child, you will be a prophet of the most high for you will go before the Lord, prepare his ways to give his people knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins. Check this out. Because of our God's merciful compassion, because of his great love for us, the dawn, the light, the dawn from on high will visit us to shine on those who live in darkness and the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. Listen, if you are a believer in Christ Jesus, can you just take a minute and just rest and be grateful that the light of his love found you when you were in the dark, in the darkness, in the pit of death. Think of that. Just reflect on that when that happened. 
that God's light reached me when I was stuck in darkness. I was stuck in the shadow of death, but there was the light. His light shined on me and showed me I was a sinner, showed me I had issues. I made fault. I deserved hell. But his light not only shined on me, but it also shined the path that led to peace, which led to straight to him, to the cross. That is what Jesus has done for us. And if he has done that for you, listen, there are too many more that are in darkness and in the shadow of death. They can't see him and they can't see the way out. But if we reflect on Christ, on who he is, on his word, we, his light will reflect on us and shine on those who are still in the darkness, still in the shadow of death, so that they may see the path that leads to peace. And that path, his name is Jesus. That is why, guys, we can't, if we're going to call ourselves Christians, let's not play games. Let's be real. Because those consequences for those people, it's real. And what God offers us, it's real. So let's be real with God. Listen, Christianity is not easy, but it is worth it. It is not easy, but it is worth it because he is worthy. Jesus did the most difficult thing by dying on the cross for us. He laid his life down. How could we not do the same? That's for him. It is not easy, but it is worth it. There is nothing better than following Christ and all that we have to give up pales in comparisons to all that we gain in him. This is not a game. This is real. And so let's take advantage and receive that in Jesus' name. And guys, I want to challenge you. I want to give you a quick little reflection prayer now. This is, I want you guys to take a minute now. I want you all to respond. It's your turn to respond. Remember, we've been, we've been hearing God now, but hearing is not enough. Saying your amen and shaking your head is not enough. Typing and giving your hearts are not enough. You got to do something. So we're not leaving until you do something. So all of us, I want you to reflect. I want you to think right now. Look in your heart. God is showing, God has put a mirror in front of you. Let's look at, if you're a Christian, let's call ourselves that. Let's look, let's look right there. How much of your thinking, how much of your normal life, how much of your conversations, how much of your conduct, how your compassion, how you treat others, how much of that is a reflection of Christ? If you're like me, it's not going to be a good, it's not going to be a perfect reflection. That's good news. But you need to recognize it right now. If God has been showing you an area in your life, like, man, yeah, it's my tongue, man. It's the way I'm talking. It's the, it's the way I, it's, it's, it's the jokes that I think are funny. It's the movies that I think are funny or great. It's the music I listen to. It's, it's the way I treat others. It's, it's the way I'm, I'm not forgiving somebody. It's, it's the way that I'm not, I'm, I'm being selfish with my money. I'm just thinking about me and what I want to do and I'm not doing anything with anybody. I'm not helping. I don't remember the last time. Take a minute and just recognize that repent of that, run to the cross and rest in the arms of your heavenly father, your savior, of your friend. Lord, Holy Spirit, I pray right now, God, that in an, in an instant right now, shine your light on all of us. Shine your light on areas, God, that still, that we need to still surrender to you. God, I pray that we may recognize, Lord, recognize anything that is still out of line, out of balance, out of harmony with you. May we give it to you right now and ask, Lord Jesus, that you shape our hearts. God, change our minds towards this sin. Change our minds, Lord, when it comes to these truths. Change our minds so that you can change our hearts. God, we want to lay our hearts down to you right now. 
God, may we rest in you right now so, Lord, you can we so that you may reflect through us in Jesus' name. I want you guys, if you're believers in Christ, I want you to rest in his arms right now. Let his love wash away that guilt and condemnation because there is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. His correction is out of love because he wants you closer because he loves you so much. So give it to him right now. And for everyone else, I want to make sure, do not be deceived. If, you're, if you act like the world, talk like the, if you're acting like, thinking like, walking like anything that is completely opposite of Jesus, don't be deceived. It is not enough to believe in God. It is not enough. You must believe him. And to believe Jesus is to believe the good news. And there's good news for a reason. is because there's a bad news. That if you continue without Christ, that if you continue without receiving him and surrendering and recognizing him as Lord and Savior, that your goodness is not enough. It is not going to end well for you. It is not. And you can't bathe it in Christian activity neither. Just because you, you pretend or just because you have it on the outside doesn't mean it's on the inside. It has to be real and sincere. And so if you don't have those fruits and you're not seeing it, I'm telling you right now, do not kid yourself. If you do, you're falling for a scam. You are falling for a scam of the enemy. Believe God and recognize that you are a sinner and that he alone is your savior. Believe him when he says, all who call on my name will be saved. Believe him when he says that all who believe will not die eternally, but have eternal life in him. And if you believe right now, just pray it and receive it in Jesus' name. And just say, Lord, I believe in you, Jesus. I believe I'm a sinner. And I believe that you're my Savior. And I believe you died on the cross. And I believe that you rose from the dead. And I believe you're speaking to me right now. So Jesus, forgive me of my sins and fill me with your spirit. And now help me to follow you. God, I pray for that for all of us right now. God, that we may be not only people, God, that, that just people of faith, but Lord, may that faith lead to works now. I pray in the name of Jesus. God, I know, Holy Spirit, that you are cleansing the mirrors of our hearts right now from the smudges of this world, from the stains of this world. I know that you are, you are cleaning and wiping that off. Lord, as we leave here today, God, may you reflect on us and through us in Jesus' name, that through what you are doing in us, that others, that that light may shine in the darkness, that it may shine on those, Lord, who still need you and that they, they may find the path that leads to peace. And God, lead us on that path. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you guide us along that path, that we are not alone and that we can rest in your promises. Thank you, God, for our promise based religion that is made in Jesus and in Jesus alone. I thank you and I pray all of you right now, if you want to say, God, let me reflect. I want you to pray right that this morning and say, Lord, help me to reflect you to the lost and dying. Help me to reflect the truth to those who need it. God, I know you hear us and I know you are faithful and just and good. And so Lord, not only may we receive it this morning, but may we not forget this but may we continue to linger in your love. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. And for all who have made decisions to follow Christ and for every Christian who has laid more things down, let us celebrate the goodness of our God that he does not turn us away when we turn to him. 
God does not turn us away. So praise his name and thank him right now that he has not turned to you away when we turn to him. So we thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Guys, simple. Reflect on Christ so that you can reflect Christ. Now, I know it's, oh, it's easier said than done. Yeah, but it's simple. And it doesn't mean just because it's hard doesn't mean it's not possible. Okay, we, we talked about it, right? Being a Christian is not easy. There is so much in you and so many leftover, right? And there's so many things out in this world that want to either keep you from knowing Christ or keep you from walking in the spirit and getting you and getting to better know Christ and, and understanding all that he is and all that he's done. There's a lot at stake. Okay, this isn't a game. This is war. This is spiritual war out there. Okay, this is why I like to use that phrase of being a revolutionary, that godly misfit, because that's what this is. You need to get your head in the game and understand what it is. It's not just your souls at stake. So much is at stake. But the beautiful and wonderful thing is, is that the more you reflect on the love of Christ, the more you reflect on, on his saving grace, on, on his mighty hand, on the spirit that is present and abides in you and dwells within you, the more you reflect on his word, the more by, by default you are going to reflect God. All right, just like uh, one of those things you, you feel, guys, I know I'm not the only one that's used like glow in the dark things. How does something glow in the dark? You got to expose it to the light. It, it needs to reflect on the light, right? Absorb it and then reflect it. Okay, that's what happens, guys. The more we reflect on the love of Christ, the more the love of Christ will flow. The more it'll flow through us. And listen, the point is, is like, yeah, you're gonna, you're not always gonna get it perfect. Okay, neither am I. But see, that's where the grace and the goodness of God comes in, is that God will do so much in and through us, but let's give him something to work with, guys. Reflect on him and reflect him.